Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Hello, Melissa. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm pretty good. How are you? I am good. It's been a nice, relaxing, I guess, work day. Like, you know, busy, but the good kind of busy. It's weirdly warm in Nashville right now. It's like Hmm. 70 degrees and sunny today. Oh my gosh. I'm so jealous. It's so weird because I love it, but I'm also just like, this is not right. Um, We also had like tornadoes, you know, last weekend and um, which is just really weird for yeah the at this time, time of year. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it was it was nice. Went on a Starbucks run just to see the sun, but I was just like, this is so strange. That is strange. Well, it's not strange weather here. It's right on <laughs> par for this time of year. It's just nasty. It is raining and forty degrees and just absolutely miserable. So taking it for what it is. Yeah. That's all right. We we decided to live in Washington, so it's our own fault. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've heard it's beautiful. I really want to go visit you and see it all. I will say the fun thing, not fun, but the nice thing is that like I have a ton of rhododendron trees in our um, front yard. And so like where my office is, when I look out my window, it's all green. Like mm. that's the cool thing about, you know, even though it rains a lot and it's not super warm, like it's warm enough for there to be like green trees still. That's nice. Yeah. Not so it is sticks. Exactly. So it's yeah. there's a level of like prettiness, I guess, because of the weather, even though it is kind of dreary. And also, actually, my friend called me yesterday. She was at um, like out on the sound and there were orcas out there. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's I so know. fun. I wasn't able to go meet her yesterday, unfortunately, but um, they're, they've been like around a lot this winter. Wow. So hopefully I'll get <sighs> so cool. to see You'll them. You'll have to go see them. That's amazing. Yeah. Really cool. Fun. Well, I'm jealous. That's great. Now I really want to go visit you, but. <laughs> I know. You need to. Someday. Well, speaking of what will happen in the future. You know, I'm going to come visit you in the future. We are going to talk about our predictions about the future of email. So um, obviously we're not fortune tellers. I know I tried so hard. That was really good. Um, It kind of worked. (laughs) (laughs) So clearly we're not fortune tellers. We don't know for sure what's going to happen. But I would say based on, you know, what we've seen over the last few years in email or, you know, if we look at a bigger picture and go back 10 years versus the way things look today, we can kind of see the trends happening and where we think things will be headed. Um, Some of these predictions might be a little wilder than others, but it's always fun to think about um, what's coming next. Yeah. Cool. I guess I can hop right into my first one. This one's top of mind because um, last night I was writing a blog post about the way our open rates um, across all ConvertKit accounts have increased from the iOS 15 Apple changes. And it just made me think about like, what is the future of metrics like? Uh, Because open rates are starting to become just less and less reliable. And how many other mailbox providers are going to implement 
similar changes. So mm-hmm. my big prediction about what's going to happen with email metrics is that for a little bit, I don't know how soon this will happen, but for a little bit, I think metrics like open rates and slightly click rates, but mostly mm-hmm. open rates are going to become almost unusable. Mm-hmm. They'll be barely usable. Maybe you kind of look at the trends to get a picture of what's going on. Um, but looking at open rates alone will be almost useless, I think. Yeah. And then I predict that farther in the future, we will get some cool tools and um, new kind of processes that will give senders correct open rate um, data that they can again use mm-hmm. in a in a different way. So what I mean by that is I think that we will get some feedback loops um, around open data, similarly to how we do with complaint mm-hmm. data mm-hmm. that still keeps privacy intact. So for example, Gmail could start to report on the open rate that an email receives with Gmail. So um, let's say that you send out an email uh, Gmail could send you data back, potentially, this is my future prediction, mm-hmm. that says 35% of Gmail users open your message. And that way, you know, um, senders don't know who opened their message. Right. So opens can't be used in the way that they've been used in the past. But um, at least you get an idea and you know, okay, well, that was my open rate at Gmail. Yeah. They probably went to the inbox, blah, blah, blah. But it means you wouldn't be able to target specific subscribers for re-engagement and things like that. Mm-hmm. So... I guess that's that's what I'm thinking yeah. might happen, but who knows? I like it. I think uh, I think it's a good a good guess prediction. Um, <laughs> I think lately, especially there's been like kind of a push for privacy because of the way that marketers are using data. Uh, even more recently, I noticed um, not that this is the same exact thing, but I noticed the other night we were watching. What were we watching? I think it was. We had a football game on and it was, we have a TV in our kitchen and we were cooking. So we noticed that it was asking us if like the NFL could use our data or something. We had to choose yes or no. Yeah. And Logan and I both like looked at, we were like, what, what is that? What, why would they be asking that on our, because we have like a smart TV in there, you know? So it had like popped up on like, because we were using like Hulu. I don't know what we were using to watch the game. And I think between that and like the cookies lately, like that, you know, Mm there have always been cookies, but like with the whole like you're on this website and it's the it's like now that people are aware that it's happening instead of it being in the background. Not that I'm saying one or the other is better or worse. Uh, I just think when you become so aware of the fact that your data is being used constantly at every place, it's almost like you know, ignorance is bliss. Like when you're not thinking about it all the time, it feels a little less in your face. Again, not saying it's right or wrong. Uh, It's just what I've noticed lately that I feel like my privacy options are constantly being displayed in front of me. And so that makes me Mm -hmm. think about what marketers are using more and more. Um, So I I don't think it's too out of the realm of possibility for what your prediction is to happen, because I think people are kind of sick of it. And I think more people would be more comfortable with it if data was shown to marketers, if it was anonymous, I think more people would be more comfortable with that. Yeah. And we talk about all the time how with mailbox providers like Gmail and Microsoft and, you know, Apple, their goal is to make their customers happy. And those are the subscribers. And so if subscribers are wanting this, for example, like Gmail or Microsoft see like, oh, wow, Apple made these big changes and people love it. 
we want to be competitive with them because right. they're going to start receiving messages. People saying, are you going to follow suit? I really like these privacy changes. I'm going to go switch to Apple Mail instead of yep. the Gmail app. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're going to be pressured right. to make similar changes. And so it's, I just think it's very likely that in the future we'll start to see more and more of the mailbox providers do automatically load those pixels. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Email senders are going to see their open rates are just through the roof, and it'll be really hard to decipher what's real and what's Wouldn't not Wouldn't it real. be so weird to have, like, I just know in ConvertKit, you know, on your your main subscriber page, it has, like, your open rate kind of, your average open rate kind of right there. How weird would it be to just not have that and to not even have know, your open I rate know. on any broadcast that you send? It would just, <laughs> I mean, it'd be weird for our job, too. Like, I have a very yeah. particular way of looking at deliverability in a person's account and deciding like what direction yeah. I'm going to go when I'm trying to help them with a deliverability problem or question and not having that would be odd. So strange. And it's something that I have actually seen other people call for like ESPs, like ConvertKit to make those changes because they think that if we do that, senders will kind of reprogram their brains yeah. and stop thinking about open rates as much. Which I get, but um, can you imagine if ConvertKit just was like, yeah, we're not going to show no. you your open rates anymore. I don't think that would go well. No, but I do think, you know, we have we have a whole episode on, on hey.com. And I think between that and the, it's, it's a slow, everything with technology in this way is always a slow progression because everyone knows yeah. that if they make a big change quickly, people can't handle it. So yeah. I do think that between a few of these different things that are happening. It's, like I said, not out of the realm of possibility that this is something we all will have to adjust for and and change the way we think about it. Yep. And we'll see. And then, you know, it would be nice if something like that feedback loop I mentioned came true. Mm -hmm. Um, But if they do that again, and they want to keep the privacy thing going, you would basically just get a lump sum, like, you know, an open rate for your broadcast sent and it wouldn't tell you who did what. So mm-hmm. um, I guess the days of, you know, saying, well, this subscriber didn't open this email, so I'm going to send them this email. If all of this comes true, those days are over yeah. and you sort of just can't use any open-based um, event mm-hmm. to trigger an email, which honestly, I do feel like we're already starting to get there a little bit. I'm right. definitely seeing open rates continue to increase. And um, in that post that will be posted now by the time you're hearing this on our blog. Um, it's an update to the Apple iOS 15 changes. Um, you know, what we're seeing on our end, we've seen globally across thousands and thousands and thousands of ConvertKit accounts, um, open rates have increased from about 30% average to 34% average. And that's um, just a few months of mm-hmm. iOS 15 being out. And at the point that I wrote the article, um, about 64% of uh, iOS users had upgraded to the iOS 15. So there's still about, you know, 40-ish percent right. of people that need to upgrade. Right. It's only going to keep going up. Right. Changing. I guess that could kind of like go into my my next prediction, which um, is that emails will become more targeted based on subscribers' preferences and interests. So if we were to look at that from, you know, trying to find other ways to look at engagement other than open rates, this could be part of that. So the reason I say this too is because um, I think marketing in general, you know, it obviously changes all the time, but I think people are becoming smarter consumers 
And also mm-hmm. they care a lot about various things. Like it, the options are so vast, you know, whether whatever you are interested in, like maybe you want to buy a mattress that I just saw um, a commercial the other day for a mattress that's like handmade with um, natural fibers and it's all these like eco-friendly things. And so like subscribing to something like that is so much different than like a Tempur-Pedic. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think people have a lot of options and they're, they're becoming smarter with what they're interested in. And I think senders and marketers will have to be even more specific about what they send subscribers, especially if they don't have that open rate um, data. And I mean, I still get emails from like, I love getting emails for, for sales and like, for example, DSW, love, love getting mm-hmm. those emails. I still think they could do a better job at targeting what I open and sending yeah. me emails related to that or offering better preferences, not just how many times do you want to receive emails a week? Like, I think they could do a better job at saying, what are you interested in? What kinds of, like, do you have a event coming up? You know, I don't know. There's a lot yeah. of things that that I think senders could work on in order to make the experience more enjoyable for consumers and not overwhelming. And then on top of that, I also was going to add with the exclusivity of newsletters and like paid newsletters, I think that's another thing to add to that whole lump of preferences and interests. And I think all of that is moving in that direction. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, and we've touched on this in another episode, but right now we are all just like all day long bombarded with digital content from our emails our social media, like wherever you go, someone is selling you something. uh, And there's just so much to be consumed all the time. And I think right now we're all so bombarded that we're getting pickier with what we allow in. Mm -hmm. And we're no longer just going to let those emails land in our inbox that aren't helping us and aren't valuable. Because I think the people who are really good at sending targeted relevant messages, they're going to win in the inbox and you're going to keep opening those. And it's going to be really clear who isn't doing that for you. Um, You're going to keep seeing their emails pop up and think, this isn't helpful. This doesn't apply Mm -hmm. to me. I don't care about this. And then you're going to unsubscribe. So I totally agree. I think consumers are going to get smarter and more pickier um, because there's just so much uh, coming at us all the time that Mm -hmm. we can't let it all in. And we've got to have some uh, standards. I also just think... In my opinion, and I don't have, I always say I don't have an email list. So this is just my own theory for myself. I think it would be more fun to create content, especially as like a smaller business or smaller sender, depending on the amount of time you had to create content. I do think it would be more fun to create content for those who are really interested in like one thing, um, because it gives you, like, even though it might be easier to write emails for the general public or whatever, I just think it would be more worthwhile, more fun to know like really specifically what certain parts of your audience want to see. And even though I've seen creators do this, I just think there is even more to be done in that direction. And I think especially when we see, like I said, even like major companies, I think they could do a better job also. Um, And I think it's going to have to be that way, like you said, because we just get so much as it is. And Again, how many, like if you're going to send four emails a day, DSW, um, (laughs) 
you know, how many of those do you want me to click on? Because I only have so much time to click on an email and which one is going to actually give you a sale. Yeah, exactly. In in the DSW example, like they have so much data. Mm-hmm. Um, they have your previous purchases. Exactly. Those were done, you know, under your account. Mm-hmm. And they can easily tell what kind of shoes you're interested in. Like, yeah, they should be able to see the shoes you bought and be like, okay, we're not going to send her an email about Skechers. No yep. offense. Yeah. Skechers, <laughs> no, it's, but like, no, it's that's such we're not a good example. Send her Crocs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or like you said, like clicking on things, they could send an email that's like, tell us about yourself. And it could be so fun. Like mm-hmm. at the bottom of every email, they could do like a this shoe versus this shoe. And you click on the one you like the most just for fun. Like you could think you're voting which shoe is better. But on their end, they can use it to learn more about you and be like, okay, Melissa keeps voting on these heels that look like this or whatever. Yeah. And so when we have a big sale, we're going to push heels and like what, you know, send yep. that to her. And then Alyssa, who keeps clicking on these sneakers, we're going to send her sneakers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so no, it seems a- like a lot of work, but there's a lot you can do. Well, especially I know we're talking about, we're typically yeah, talking about creators. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about the huge, they should be able to do those things. So, yes. but I mean, that's a, also a great way to encourage engagement. So even if you don't have time yeah. to create insanely complicated targeting, you could still do that for, just for engagement purposes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, well, my next prediction is that more and more creators will start using email to connect with their audience. Um, I think we've definitely seen a big boost in creators using email, um, especially like you said, around newsletters and things like that, getting really creative, but I think it's going to be even more so. So now when you're scrolling through your Instagram or Twitter and you're seeing people who are creators as in, you know, they're putting out content for lots of people and it's very creative. Maybe they're a writer, a blogger, a musician. A lot of them still probably as you're scrolling, don't use email, Mm -hmm. especially the ones getting started um, because they just don't understand the value of it. But I think as time goes on, that's going to change. And as soon as you decide you want to be a creator or, you know, have some sort of platform or build an audience, that email is going to be one of your first things you do, um, likely with putting a landing page in the link in your bio, for Mm -hmm. example, and collecting those email addresses. Because I think the social media algorithms are going to continue to get more and more frustrating. I know a lot of um, people I follow on Instagram keep saying that they're shadow banned. <laughs> I don't follow like, um, you know, crazy accounts. They're just like normal people. And they're like, I mean, normal, you know, yeah. like influencer type of people. Right. And they're like, yeah, I'm shadow banned. If you try and search for my name, I don't come up right now. I don't know why. I've talked to Instagram. So anyways, all of that to say, um, it can be very hard to get a hold of mm-hmm. Instagram or Facebook customer support. Uh, they have a lot of power to determine what people are seeing, what they're not. So I think once creators understand that and get frustrated enough by it, it's going to be a well-known fact that the second you want to start building your audience, you need to start building an email list alongside all of the other things you're working on. Yeah, that's a great point. I also think, um, because I, as you know, Alyssa, I (laughs) got rid of Instagram for a little while and just took like a much needed detox break from it. I just, you know, it was just the time to do it for a little bit. Yeah. And also, I think in our jobs, it helps to like see new trends or, you know, it's just it's nice to be able to come look at it with fresh eyes. But I noticed that influencers specifically, um, I follow them a lot of times for like gift ideas or 
clothes, like fashion content, whatever. I'm, I just, it helps me shop better. Yeah. I feel like Definitely. I can't shop online uh, very well. And these days I don't like going to the mall because I feel like it's just not, it's not my thing anymore uh, with COVID mm-hmm. and everything. It's just different now. So I like having like people to go to, to see like, where should I go online? Because there's so many options. Um, but the thing that's interesting is instead of them having like a landing page in like as a link in their bio, a lot of them have like a shop my Instagram link instead. Yeah. And it just makes me wonder like how many, cause I've gone to a lot of their blogs and looked at their actual blog websites instead of just their Instagrams. And a lot of their blogs are not up to date. Like, if you look, yeah. they've started before. They've started, like, a Friday dupe, like, where they pick a really expensive thing and then they do a dupe of it. And they only have, like, a couple weeks of it or a month of it. And then they, would like, stopped. And so I think it's interesting because it's almost like they're just trying to keep up with product and trying to push products to people to make money that they're, like, totally missing this, like, level of owning your audience that we've talked about before. So I think it's really interesting and a good point. I think those who figure this out, especially with the changes in the algorithms on Instagram all the time, it's like, why even play that game? I mean, we talk about that with the promotions tab in Gmail. Like, (laughs) don't force it. Like, don't try to play the game. Like, figure out a way to beat that and own your audience instead of trying to constantly worry about what people aren't seeing. Because if they were on your email list and you had good engagement and also practice good deliverability, they probably would see everything. So yeah. And then if something crazy happens, you know, and Instagram's algorithms go nuts, Mm -hmm. or I mean, we have both seen, you know, really awesome creators who get their Instagrams hacked and totally taken from them. Like, um, that's a really common thing right now is someone will hack large accounts, Instagrams, and request money to get the page back. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that doesn't work out. Sometimes they don't ever get their page back and they have to start from scratch. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if they had an email list, you know, going, they wouldn't have to completely start from scratch. They could still contact their audience. But um, otherwise, you know, you just, you never know what's going to happen to your social media account. Like you said, you need to own your audience. Um, If you, for some reason, you know, something happened with your ESP and you needed to switch ESPs, you still have your CSV file with all your email addresses that you can take and send them emails wherever you want to. Exactly. All right. On to the next. Let's see. So emails will continue to become more interactive and engaging. And there will be creative new ways to encourage engagement and to track it since we were talking about how open rates might not be a thing. So I think we, you and I talked about this a little bit, but we, on a conference we were at, I remember this was like a conversation where they were talking about email just being more visual, more interactive, video, um, all the visual things. So I just think that it's inevitable. I think a lot of times we say, you know, our attention spans are getting shorter and people don't want to read long emails. And while I do think that that's somewhat true, I don't think that means that you shouldn't send any text in your email. Yeah. Um, but I think it depends on your audience. And I, we say that a lot. But I think as time goes on and we find more creative ways to engage people and, again, be more targeted, it might look like a video or more photos or whatever. Yeah, I totally agree with this. And I think, you know, even if you're someone who wants to stick to mostly plain text, because that does work really well for Mm -hmm. a lot of people, um, I think we'll start to see more of those, you know, reactions Mm -hmm. in emails, even with the really 
plain text emails at the bottom, it'll probably say, you know, give it a thumbs up or thumbs down yep. or have a heart icon mm-hmm. or emojis. Um, but I think especially as open rates continue to be less and less reliable, creators and email senders in general are going to want some sort of signal because not right. everyone's going to click on your call to action, you know, that says buy this product mm-hmm. or go to my website or whatever. But more people will probably click if they enjoyed, you know, your message or read all the way through um, the reaction that they want to choose. And that just helps give you another signal like, okay, this amount of people at least read through my email, clicked a thumbs up or the heart, Mm -hmm. and they said they liked my newsletter. It just gives you some, at least something to grab onto when it comes to engagement. Right. Um, But on the very crazier end of things, I know that email already right now can do some insane things. And uh, especially with Gmail, um, AMP, uh, mm-hmm. which it happens in the promotions tab sometimes. That's a super, a more complicated um, sort of thing that happens. But if, for example, you've seen, um, you get an email from Google Docs that says like someone commented on your Google Doc, you can reply right there in the email to the comment and click comment and it'll update in the Google Doc um, because Google coded that email with AMP, mm-hmm. um, which is like an interactive way to code messages. So Um, Things like that might become more mainstream. Uh, I heard a great example of like an airline using that. And whenever they send an email, let's say they could say in the email, 15 seats are remaining on this flight and you could see the seat map Mm -hmm. and it would change depending on when you looked at it. So then if two people bought a seat, it could say 13 seats next time you open the email. That's fancy. That's really fancy, (laughs) I know. And (laughs) I think most people aren't there yet, but... um, I could see it becoming more accessible for everyone. Uh, And just another example of one I saw like over a couple of years ago, I think now is Southwest made a birthday email. I kind of want to Google and see if I can find it. Yeah, this is awesome. It was insane. Uh, My husband and I both got it and it had a video. Oh, okay. 2017. I just found a post about it. It was so crazy. It was a video of like flight attendants um, singing a song and like playing instruments in the plane saying happy birthday. And it said your name in it. So crazy. I can't remember if they actually said it out loud or if it was um, like on a sign, but it was so cool. And it was personalized for each person's name, I guess, if they had the name for you. So um, things like that, I think, are definitely possible to keep happening mm-hmm. in the future. Just more extreme personalization and interactiveness, interactivity, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know which word is real, but (laughs) that's why why I have a podcast because I don't know words. Um, But yeah, I think we're going to get fancier basically, Mm -hmm. like you said. Yeah, I think so too. I I just had a thought about like with text, I think regardless of how much, like I love to read and I never want to be one of those people who, you know, it's not a bad thing, but I want to always like, encourage text. Like, I don't want books to go away, like real books. I don't, right. not that I'm saying it's going to, but you know what I mean? Like on the drastic side of things, like I, I like some old school stuff. Plain text emails, I think can be very interesting and engaging and moving. Words are moving. But I think that as far as like the interactiveness goes or whatever, interactivity, since we don't know which one. <laughs> oh my gosh, I need to look this up. Okay, but <laughs> since that, like you and I could sit here, I know we could, and we could think of 5 million things, seriously, to like that you could use. Like even the day that we were talking about um, the different reactions you could use and the person who used the mm-hmm. 
I think it was like the the dog. What was it? The pet. Oh, the yeah. pet. It was like yeah. an email pet. Mm-hmm. That you had to feed and stuff. Yeah, like those kinds of yeah. things. That even the shoe example of clicking on which shoe you like better. I there just are so many endless examples of ways that, and it could be anything from just a small reaction to what Southwest did, um, and that's why yeah. I think people like feeling like they have a ton of autonomy and like the the options are endless. You know, it's just. It's exciting. Um, and I think consumers also will appreciate those kinds of things even more as so it's so interesting. We don't want our privacy, we don't want our data out there, yet we want things to be more. I know. We want it all. That is that's the tough thing. It's like yeah. if we don't have, you know, companies kind of tracking things, then the ads we do get served inevitably won't be as um interesting to us and things like that. So it's always a trade-off. It's like it is. I was just served Instagram ads the other day of something I was literally just thinking of getting my grandparents for um, Christmas. And I swiped up on it and I was like, oh my gosh, that is so expensive. I'll find another one. And another ad came up from a different company. And so I was like, and I swiped up on that one and that one was a little cheaper. And then later in the day, another one came up from another company. Seriously, like they have it down. And I was just swiping and seeing which one um, was the best, but I didn't have to do anything really, yeah. barely. They all came to me. Um, so yeah, it's still not my favorite thing in the world. We all fall, I think, on different places in the spectrum, mm-hmm. but it's like, we do get a little benefit from people knowing what we're Some doing. Things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When it comes to customization and personalization mm-hmm. and things being more um, relevant to us, but at what expense? Right. Yeah. Good question. I know. I know. I don't think we could answer it. (laughs) I don't think so either. (laughs) I wouldn't even want to try. No, everyone kind of has their own, I think, place that they stand. So I guess the answer is you should get to control that. Exactly. Um, As a user and Mm -hmm. decide for yourself. Some people might not care and will say, track everything about me. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Um, And then some people might say, track nothing. And they should be able to set those um, personalized preferences. Agreed. I know. Words are hard today. (sighs) I mean, clearly it's hard to try and predict the future. It uses a lot of energy and brain cells and yeah. It does. We did it. We did it. Let's see if any of these come true. I don't even know what time frame we're using here. I think there's a lot, a lot of wiggle room, but maybe in the next few years. Yeah. We'll see. Well, I hope everyone has a great rest of their week. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next time. See you then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.